Hey guys, welcome to our new show, uh, CB to MP. Uh, we'll be talking about all sorts Batman of stuff. Batman on Batman? Oh wait, no, that's taken. Yeah, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like Batman on Batman. Uh, but we are actually going to uh, start our whole show off in two parts. This first part will be all about the DCEU, uh, why it's called that and such. Uh, the three movies plus... Uh, the Berlantiverse on the, uh, the, as it's called, the DCCW, or the DCW. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Flareoverse for some of you out there, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but, I just uh, kind of gravitated into Berlantiverse myself. I know, it's a, I think, is it officially Arrowverse? I know, like, the wiki's the Arrowverse wiki. Uh, I guess since it started with Arrow. Uh, and then ended up with Flash. They call it the Flareoverse. But, okay. I mean, it's open to interpretation no matter I, what. I, I still maintain that Arrow is the best live-action Batman show they've ever had. Uh, Correct. I agree, but... Uh, <laughs> and we'll actually delve into that in a little bit. Uh, I'm going to ask one of you to turn down your TV just a little bit. That might be me. Let me get to a safe spot. Just so okay. viewers at home know, there is also some casual Destiny play going. But I can actually mute my TV. Is that better? Yeah, that's since a lot we're better. playing through... Uh, yeah, I forgot uh, I'm using the Turtle mine. Beach. So, yeah, if the TV was on, it would be putting out to you guys <laughs> also. Yeah. So, uh... I usually do play with the sound off. But my, if my son's home, he likes to hear that also. Yeah. So, anyway. uh... But he is not home, so let us continue. There's a couple of things. There's only three movies in the DCEU right now, which would be uh, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Suicide Squad. Uh, which is why, uh, even though we're not, they're not totally interconnected, we're including the Berlanti universe in this discussion. Small question about that, actually. Is, um... Green Lantern, does that occupy the same weird gray space that the first Hulk, the Ang Lee one, occupied, or are they just going to scrap that in its entirety? Please. Uh, I'm not sure. No, but I mean, you know how they did Incredible Hulk as like a soft reboot back into the MCU that yeah, I hear doesn't you. exactly slave itself to the first movie, but you could kind of watch the first movie if you were a fan of it? Like, if they get around to Green yeah. Lantern, is it just going to be like an established Hal Jordan, and hey, if you like the Ryan Reynolds one... Uh, or is What's that just from, gone? Don't even from think about what it. I've heard. We're not getting a Green Lantern movie. We're getting Green Lantern Corpse, which gives us not only Hal Jordan, Kyle Rayner, and John Stewart. So yeah, they're basically they're going to use that as almost like their Guardians of the Galaxy, like their intergalactic exactly. sidearm of the franchise, right? <clears throat> okay, uh, so uh, they might want to get on that before Marvel puts out a Nova Core. <laughs> Uh, let's uh, start off the whole conversation uh, with Man of Steel. Man of Steel being the best okay. Dragon Ball Z movie uh, to hit theaters. <laughs> but uh, The best live-action Dragon Ball Z yeah. movie. I, I don't know if I'd say the best Dragon Ball Z movie to hit theaters. The uh, like, best live-action Dragon Ball Z movie. Dragon Ball Z movie to hit theaters. The Battle of Gods, those were pretty good. Uh, yeah, well, best uh, live-action live action live Dragon action. Ball Z movie. Yes. Yeah. Well, is there another Dragon Ball Z live-action movie? I'm sorry, I wasn't aware. <laughs> uh, I, I appreciate and will and will accept your answer. 
Yeah, we're, tre- <laughs> we're treating that just like we treat uh, yeah, any they, they X-Men film. Yeah, the Boo Saga, actually, this one time, Connor. <laughs> oh, okay. That sounds... But, uh, we'll have to go know, a little too meta to actually explain so, the jokes you're making now, so let's yeah. just carry forward. <laughs> yeah, we, we're getting a little bit off topic. So, uh... The weird thing about this movie was that it was produced by Chris Nolan and actually written by uh, Jonathan Nolan, who did the Batman, uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. So I want to know if you guys feel like the darkness of the next movie that came out, Batman v Superman, was kind of in play since... The Dark Knight trilogy was pretty dark for superhero movies, even though they were PG-13. Uh, yeah. I do feel that in general, they've been pushing a more serious tone. And even to the point that their fans rejected their attempts at doing a lighter tone with um, Green Lantern. That seems to be sort of par for the course for DC, is they want that darker tone out of their films. Until, you know, we'll, we'll leave BVS to when we get to BVS, but that seemed to be the tipping point as far as people bitching. Connor? I suppose, yeah, that does sound about right. They, honestly, for me, it felt like they were trying a bit too hard sometimes, but I did appreciate those movies a lot more. Like, Are we talking I, about I'm the Dark Knight trilogy or fan. overall? Overall, I, I, I'll be honest, I'm not a, a huge fan of the Dark Knight trilogy. Mostly I, I, by, I, I agree with mostly you. because I view them as comic book movies and I feel like they fail in that regard. I do agree with you. Um, myself, I'm a pretty big fan of Batman Begins. I feel like the two Dark Knight movies are decent Christopher Nolan flicks that happen to feature characters from the Batman universe. That sounds about right. Okay. Like, they're not bad movies, and I can't enjoy them. It's just my enjoyment has always been hampered by the knowledge that this is supposed to be a Batman movie, and it's really not. I think Batman Begins is the closest. Like, that's a pretty decent Batman yeah. year one take. Yeah, like, yeah. Scarecrow Scarecrow was pretty spot on. Ra's al Ghul, yeah. they messed with a bit was, much, but I But it was Liam Neeson. Yeah, right? Like, that, that counters that fairly... <laughs> Fairly nicely. Uh, when he he was taken with Batman. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, yeah. All right. So. Oh, even uh, looking at ba- even rolling back on Batman films, there are two Batman films that are universally beloved, and two Batman films that are generally seen as dog shit. The two that are liked are the dark ones. Very true. Also, the ones that. Do not have uh, Chris O'Donnell on them. The ones with neon lights and a lot of in-jokes are the ones that people refuse to watch these days. <laughs> well, you know, we'll, we'll cancel the pizza on that one. But... Oh, <laughs> That's why Superman works alone. Yeah. But, uh... Alright, so back to Man of Steel. Now... Well, one thing that interested me about Man of Steel the most was it was the first time in live-action form that we were actually getting something close to a modern comics Man of Steel. We had this sort of half-post-crisis, half, half, uh, 
New 52 Man of Steel, whereas in the past they were all coming straight from like the Silver Age. Like the Christopher Reeve movies, that was before the Crisis on Infinite Earths. So that's just where everybody's kind of conscious awareness of that character in live action was coming from, was like a pre-crisis Superman. Okay. Uh... They... They'd updated him in like their animated movies and TV shows, but as far as movies go, that was the first time they'd made one in a good long while. I, I have my own makes sense. Uh, like discre- not discrepancies, but my own uh, kind of social uh, eccentricities that I have about that movie. That that movie fails for me. Uh, I would like the to MOS. Oh uh, yeah, Man of Steel. Uh, but I'd like to get your take. What is the biggest failure of Man of Steel? Uh, I think Connor should answer first. Mm. That's a, a bit of a tough one for me because Man of Steel is actually where I first started becoming a Superman fan. I was never all that fond of him before mm. that. And so I've got a bit of a soft spot for that movie. If I had to pick... We have a very anti-Superman father, and that was somewhat ingrained in us both from a young age. <laughs> Probably Connor more so than me, even. If I had to pick, I'd probably say... Hmm. I'd probably say the overall uh, plot of how they're doing the whole destroy the planet thing, I felt like that could have been handled with a little more maybe dignity. The whole machines terraforming the Earth thing felt a little bit off. Seeing that Superman had been there for years and hadn't died, so why the hell do they need to terraform the Earth? Yeah, like, as an infant, if he can survive and adapt, I feel like you guys can too. Which meant that Zod was just completely being an asshole. This was not him requiring requiring this for the survival of his race, which he was portraying it as. This was just him being a dick. Yeah. Uh, Ryan? I would say, I would probably agree with that from a, it feels like, now I haven't read the novelization to know if this is actually the case, but it feels to me like one of those things where you might say like, oh, that made sense in the novelization or in a deleted scene, but there was sort of, you're left to your own theories as to exactly like how some of the powers worked in it and why they needed terraform. You know, like some people think that their suits gave them certain environmental functions and enhanced strength and Zod embraced that when he took his suit off, um, embraced more of the solar power benefits, but like they don't really explain why they show up with super strength on day one and why they feel the need to kryptonize the planet. Like they talk about like, you know, like the, the 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 problem with their senses being painful, but I mean, it took Zod all of like two days to adapt to that. So, it seems to me like any Kryptonian they built or or grew would adapt fine. And you know, there there are yeah theories that like Zod was just programmed to want everything to be pure Krypton, but the movie doesn't say that, so it's just a head scratcher every time I watch it. And also, this is probably more this this bothers me more in the movie sequel, but. 
just something in general of the tone of the sort of like the weight of the world on his shoulders, Clark. There are elements that work for me, but there is some base level when Superman is whining. It's like, dude, you're Superman. Smile. You're a god. I think uh, I found the the name to this uh, this one episode. Smile, you're a god. Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, it's like, that, what was that old song, The Superman, It's Not Easy? Like, come on. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's all that one of the things that one of the reasons Connor and I have had issues with Superman that we imparted from our, or what was imparted to us from our father was like that notion that Superman will take a bullet for someone during a bank robbery and everyone says he's brave. He's not brave. He's bulletproof. He knew that bullet was going to do nothing. If Spider-Man took a bullet, that's bravery. Spider-Man is not bulletproof. And Spider-Man would take that bullet because he's the most awesome superhero ever. Right. When Batman jumps in front of it, trusting that his uh, Kevlar is going to hold up, it's kind of brave. When Superman just stands there and takes a a shotgun shell to the chest, it's like he knows for a fact that that is not going to do anything to him. Now, in fairness, this does not detract from the awesomeness of Superman jumping in front of a shotgun because to save someone's life, yeah, that that hurts somebody, but. Like it's not that's not where the character shines. Right. It's yeah, it's 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 a selfless act, but it's not a terribly threatening or character defining act. So uh moving on a little bit. Uh let's uh actually move on to Batman v Superman, which came out earlier this year. And uh oh, so many kind of with that movie. Uh it's <laughs> The, like and that, I'm, just, I'm just going to let Ted ask his questions and try not to interject much because we could go in some circles on that one. Like uh, many of Zack Snyder's films, like Man of Steel and Watchmen and other films that he's done, beautiful movie. Are we trying not to say it them is, because we don't want to lose hits? Uh, <laughs> Hashtag sucker punch. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, but they're beautiful movies. Every Zack Snyder movie has been a beautiful movie. Uh, and I think he we can, can all agree on that. Yeah. And his effects team is top notch. He can he knows how to shoot his films and his actors. If yeah. nothing else, you gotta give him that. The problem is, you know, usually with the story or pacing uh or his Orwellian sense of I'm going to make a six hour movie. <laughs> but uh, that's really the, the the huge issue. Just taking it as a self-contained thing. Yeah, and that's well, sort of. BVS kind of shows actually. I think Snyder works best if you just let the man have three hours. Yeah. Uh, because he doesn't really work well at a two two hour fifteen minute kind of clip. He really doesn't. Like if they had three hours, he could have. He could have managed it. Well, have you watched the home cut? No. I highly suggest you do. I actually have to buy that. Okay. Okay. Or oh, so it sounds like I'm the, uh, I'm the, the home only, release uh, expert here. You so. are the only one that's seen the home <laughs> release of that. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I did get it's to see... It's long, and it doesn't fix all of the issues, but it does fix enough of the issues that it went from pacing mess with head-scratcher questions to... A solid seven and a half out of ten kind of thing to me. Does, you know? does it ever make enjoyable. Amy Adams into an enjoyable Lois Lane? Or is that a problem that was never fixed from uh, Man of Steel? 
if your problem is simply with her performance, that's not going to change. If your problem is with Lois Lane in that movie, her whole side story is better fleshed out as opposed to just seeming completely random and out of place in the theater cut. Okay, well, yeah, she seems... Including the whole thing in the beginning, the whole setup in the theatrical cut and how how the 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 like the the plot that Lex is setting in motion to like sort of discredit uh Superman and set up the whole big scene in the middle. I'm trying not to do spoilers, but that actually starts off in a believable way with like a it's like a longer 15 minute kind of thing instead of this like 3 minute scene and then afterwards you're like special bullets, what? Uh it it does seem that uh she calls in her performance in both movies. It, she doesn't seem like a believable Lois Lane in either movie, but that's just my gripe. Uh, and I like her. I, she's I don't have a with her as Lois Lane, her. but I'm not a huge... I've not been a huge Superman buff uh, for most of my life, and so I wouldn't know any better, I suppose. Well, I, she's a, she's definitely kind of a different take on Lois, and I she doesn't seem like she's stretching that much uh, herself as an actress. But I don't have a big problem with her to the degree that you do. But I yeah, your core issue is probably still there. But as far as how the script handles her, there she is. She has a more justifiable role in the film. Okay. Yeah, I'm just like to be honest with you. A lot of my like, stuff. I mean, all right. Let, let me get into a little bit of a spoiler. Just go ahead. And for the beginning of the movie, there's this setup where it's sort of implied that Superman has caused deaths by intervening in this international thing, very similar to Captain America: Civil War's issue of like, should our heroes that represent our country be going up, you know, over borders and causing damage and whatnot, and killing people by accident or, or otherwise? And in the original right. cut, basically these mercenaries start shooting these uh, warlords, terrorists, whatever they were. And then afterwards, this late this witness comes in and she's like, "There was a crack of thunder from the sky, and then everybody was dead, and this is Superman's fault." And then Lois finds oh, special what? bullets that she ties back to Lex Luthor, and yeah, none of it really connected in any meaningful way. In the extended cut, there's more of a setup of Lois getting this interview and traveling in there. Uh, during the actual sequence, um, when Lois is taken, the government, the U.S. government orders intervention in the form of striking the military target. So a drone comes in and fires its missile. Superman takes out that missile on the way in, which accounts for like the crack in the sky and the perception that he uh, may have killed people. Because like to lay men on the ground, they would just see fire in the sky. On top of which, when the mercenaries killed those other people, they then torched their bodies. So the whole thing just looks like this kind of unexplainable explosion, and all anyone really knew was that Superman had landed in the heart of the compound. And then you also find out that this, the key witness was also kind of set up to go in there on Lex's dime. So there's a bit of like false testimony going on, too. So they do more to sort of set up the conspiracy. And since that conspiracy okay. is sort of the heart of like that part of the movie... Yeah. Okay. Uh, my whole gripe probably is because I grew up with you know Dan Delaney and Terry Hatcher, who both play Lois Lane as this 
more feminist strong character than yeah. the little prissy thing that Amy Adams plays her as. <laughs> Where Amy Adams, like at the beginning of Man of Steel, does this excellent line about a dick measuring contest. And I know I've said it on countless podcasts before. Uh, it's awesome. She has this dick measuring uh, line in the beginning of Man of Steel. And then she ruins the character about not even 30 seconds afterwards by saying the words, so where do I tinkle? <laughs> uh, I not think even... the problem with the, this version of Lois Lane is that while she does kind of talk the the tough Lois talk, she has yet to actually walk that walk. She's constantly in need of rescue and biting off more than she can chew. Mm. Yeah, it's not. There's like, especially if you watch like the Dean Kane Superman show, like Terry Hatcher was very much came off as his equal in a lot of ways. Obviously not physically because he's Superman, but definitely emotionally yeah. and mentally. Yeah, and like they would set up situations too. I mean, it was very much like a duo cast kind of thing too. But there'd be plenty of situations where she'd have to bail him out of out of situations. Yeah. Uh, and that's the duality that you need with Clark and Lois. Like, uh, basically, Superman and Clark Kent are exactly what Lois wants to be and what she strives to be. Where Lois is what Superman strives to be. Just normal, but still hard as nails, making uh, her way through the world. And that dynamic gets completely thrown off in these movies because they treat Lois as the damsel in distress. I feel. Lois is bae. Yeah. Oh. Uh, like, and Superman is the overprotective boyfriend. You know. But, uh... Yeah, like that one scene um, in the apartment that starts off with, like, Clark, I have serious concerns, and... And, and, you know, people have died, and he's like, I don't care what people think, and then he just drops in the tub to bang her. Yeah. Yeah, basically. It, it... Yeah, that, that whole I thing... Ne- I never had anything against her, but she was never a strong point, I guess, is right. where I fall on this. Yeah. I'm with like, Connor, I and I understand, even though experience. I'm not as strong on it as Ted, I understand why you feel the way you feel. I mean, I'm also one for strong women... In uh, comics, because I feel like women that's, that's aren't. The, that's like our Twilight issue. It's like the, to to dudes who grew up watching Buffy, we just can't handle a Bella. Yeah. Like, uh, but it, Lois Lane has always, in my comic experience, has always been this kind of hard as nails journalist who maybe can't, you know, lift what Superman can lift or do anything amazing. But she's still there, ready to fight to do what's right to find the story that she needs to find to help the people. Even in Batman v Superman, she's willing to drop the whole Bat- the Batman case just because Perry White tells her to. Yeah. All right, and then she wasn't hmm? exactly Clark wasn't, and then she goes off and does this stuff just right. for Superman. She's kind of Stockholm syndromed into Superman's girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, everything that she does is for him. Uh, it's a bad Brian Adams song. It's. <laughs> and that's my. That's your clip. Hmm? 
Oh, that's another thing with the theater cut too about Clark kind of being this dog with a bone to set up the rivalry. They uh, actually show more yes. of his investigation. It's showing why he actually takes such a disliking to the bat. Obviously, the theater cut fully explores why Bruce dislikes him. Yeah. But you actually, like, Clark interviews the wife of that uh, criminal that Bruce uh, puts in jail who gets knocked off in jail be, uh, because Bruce branded him with the bat cattle prod. And so, like, Clark talks to the wife and sees a different, you know, this, this was a, a guy who was married. I think he had a kid, and he'd made a mistake. And then so he sees Batman as someone who's playing judge, jury, and executioner, regardless of the law. Which, by the way, uh, let's bring this into Suicide Squad. Batman brings in most of the Suicide Squad, and not most one of the them, Suicide Squad, and not one of them dies yeah. in prison. Are you talking about supervillain privilege? Uh, that, yeah, I think like the metahumans are privileged. Uh, why, like, they don't even explain that in Batman v Superman. Why are these branded well, first people... off, the ones who died were killed by other inmates. Who's going yeah. to take out Killer Croc? That's that's a fair point. Like, at least Killer Croc and, like, Harley are kept out of general population. Uh, remember yeah. the one time they threw one of them into general population? That didn't that's work. That's true. No. Because <laughs> they tried to take him out. Yeah. And he nuked them. In uh, fairness, that was like the worst guy to throw into Gen Pop. Uh, Chris, I finally got it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was the. I agree with you, Connor. And for those of you who are wondering who the fuck Chris is, Chris is our audience. Oh yeah, sorry. Who, who's been silenced? <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, before we delve into the Suicide Squad. The squad Four, into the squad, yeah. Before we get squad goals, they should, they going. it should have been suicide. S K W A D. I, I yeah. feel like we've addressed the problems with Batman versus Superman as its standalone. My biggest problem with it, though, was more with the placement of the movie. Well, than anything else. Actually, I think like, we'll we'll get into it's, it's DC's yeah. Iron Man two. I. And I think we'll get in, we, we'll get into that in a second. Uh, because, okay. uh, right before Suicide Squad dropped, they kind of had this, uh, thing with The Flash, the Flash movie, which is being produced, starring Ezra Miller as Barry Allen, lost its director, lost its writer, and then gained a new director and a new writer. Uh, oh after this, uh, Ezra Miller said something. He can't wait to get on state on set and do his scene with Grant Gustin. Uh, and which leads me so to you believe think they're going to do a multiverse. That the extended universe means that is in other terms, yes, a multiverse. So and this is why so I'm uh, going to assume that that's the guy who plays Flash in the TV series. Exactly. That, yeah, that's TV Barry. Okay. So you might have jumped the gun on there just a little bit, Ezra. Uh, <laughs> right. Like, like, that would be cool. I don't, I don't to, think you know, you're supposed to say something like that yet. 
what one of my complaints about BBS was the fact that they just weren't doing sort of the Marvel thing with a larger connected universe because that Ezra Miller scene, that confusing little flash forward back whatever where Bruce wakes up. Uh, okay, that's yeah, not on the podcast. Yeah. Okay, no, that's that's not in the can. So you might want to, if you want to isolate and cut these twenty seconds, yeah. <laughs> um, the scene where Bruce is napping and he wakes up and the Flash is running through like a, it almost looked like, like a, a portal. one of the portals from a mother box, right? Yeah, yeah, it did kind of. It's that that didn't look strictly uh, like Flash running back through time. It looked like they had opened up a tube almost, but. Yeah, it really did. And it, well, however was, that the, happened, the an armored flash so is like, you were right about him, Lois changed the key! And Bruce is like, what? If that had been Grant Gustin, I would have lost my shit in the theater. Yeah. Yes. Like, and that's hell, sort of the I experience you can kind of get if you're following the is, MCU. And I don't even watch... I haven't even followed Flash yet. I have a lot of catching up. Yeah. You do. It, but I mean, yeah, that's might, sort of an experience you can get out of watching an MCU movie or show, but that's not something DC has set up yet in film. In film, Their yeah. TV shows are actually getting to that level of nutty. Uh, and let's uh, start with uh, what's starting next Monday, well, as we're getting into the Berlanti universe. Uh, Supergirl is its own entity, as is we're talking about it right now. And I know, Ryan, have you caught up on Supergirl? I know you were behind last time we talked about it. Oh, yeah, no, I finished okay. the first season. And Connor, I'm assuming... I, I caught up before... I caught up and then went weekly into the end of the show. I, ah, okay. I caught up before. And Connor, I'm assuming you haven't seen any of Supergirl. No. Okay. They had me at Martian Man. I, I haven't watched most of the Marvel TV shows, which means that I definitely haven't watched the DC ones. You actually would mm-hmm. like the DC ones possibly even more than the Marvel ones, especially since your complaint with the uh, Tim Nolan ones that they weren't comic booky enough. The minute I went from this Flash show is an okay spinoff of Arrow to this is the best show on television right now, was Gorilla Grodd. Just the fact that they had the balls to be like, you know, it's like you watch Arrow and it's very kind of grounded and almost Dark Knighty. At least for the first the first couple <laughs> seasons, they yeah they well they the first couple seasons after Flash Arrow has accepted that it's also a comic book show yeah okay. but yeah you're watching this stuff where they're kind of like oh the it's like Black Canary uh, how does she have her sonic scream well it's like a sonic device you know like they didn't do metahumans and stuff like that at first and then right. Flash is just like here's a psychic freaking gorilla. Yeah, and Barry, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, at, at some point, Barry just runs backwards through time because he didn't like the way something there's an outcome of something. F- fucking uh, King and Shark. Supergirl. It's like yeah, at the point where one <laughs> character just stands up and shape shifts into the Martian Manhunter. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with the show. Yeah, uh, it's really done with, uh, as I've heard in other podcasts, uh, heart, what was it, uh, humor, heart, heroics is what they go by in these Berlanti Universe shows. Oh, that's uh, like the, the mantra? That is their mantra, yeah. I can see that. Okay. And that's it, that's core that's actually core best DC. That's that's their thing. Yeah. And that's it. one of the things that I grew up with when I started reading comic books, I started really reading comic books like my freshman year of high school. Like really getting mm-hmm. into it. Wow. And the first miniseries I ever read had a lot of humor in it because it was DC meets the Looney Tunes. 
God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's a bunch of humor in it. It was very well done. It was almost uh, Space Jam-ish. The way that it merged these two universes together. And, you know, of course it was all due to Mixoplex. Right. But, uh... Yeah, it was, uh, that's how I really started with DC, and I read more, you know, there's darker stuff in DC, yes, but everything has a lot of, uh, heart humor and spectacle in it, or heart humor and heroics, and especially Superman. So, uh, yeah, Supergirl, on the other hand, I wasn't really up to date on most Supergirl I've ever encountered was like Young Justice or uh Justice League Unlimited was the most I ever really got in on Supergirl. And okay. also so, she uh had a deep pretty big role on Smallville if anyone watched that besides me. Yeah. But uh so Nope. Getting I knew that she was like Clark's cousin and that's you know, well Cal El's cousin. And that's about all I knew. She had yeah. the same powers and everything. Uh, they really made me love a character I could give two shits about. Like, I, I couldn't give two shits about uh, Supergirl. And then, now I love her. Uh, they introduced Martian Manhunter because DC uh, said that they were never going to put Martian Manhunter into a movie because no one cares about a six-foot-tall green guy. Hey, Ryan, how much do you care about a six-foot-tall um, green guy? DC. I care pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, Come on, guys. I started maining your damn show because you introduced a six-foot-tall green guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys. Uh, Greg Berlanti obviously knows his shit about the DC fans and the DC shows that he works more on. Than, more than core DC? Yeah, exactly. Oh, my more God. than whatever <laughs> random Warner Brothers exactly. The show, right? Oh my uh, god! I, I, every time I hear about Core DC saying something, it's like, what a fucking train wreck is this? So at this point, it's going to be Ryan and I giving you examples of why you should watch uh, Supergirl <laughs> uh, right now, Connor. It's uh, Martian Manhunter. We have White Martians already. Really? Uh, right. Really? Awesome. Okay. We also have a pseudo like backstory of Martian Manhunter. Which almost looks like it was directed by Bruce Tim in that episode of fucking uh, Justice League. When we get... Yeah, right? Yeah. It was almost shot-for-shot remake of the episode of Justice League where Martian Manhunter gives his little speech about... Or not Justice League. uh, Justice League New Frontier. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When he does that, it's almost a shot-for-shot remake in live action. Uh, it is really cool. It's amazing. Uh, the only the only flaw I would say with the show is similar to how Arrow is a Batman show. And I bring that up because I actually have a friend who, after everybody said you have to watch Arrow, he's actually a pretty pretty big Green Arrow fan. And so he actually thought the show was way overhyped. He said he understood why I liked it, because I was like, I'm not really a super huge Green Arrow fan, but I love me some Batman, and this is a damn awesome Batman show. Yes. And he was like, yeah, I can accept that. Kind of like this, it's a Supergirl show, and it's probably a little closer to doing Arrow to Batman, but it's 
basically a Superman show with off-brand characters. Yeah. I mean, it's still uh, brand because it's still... They haven't done Brainiac, but they, they, but they, basically, have a, they basically run a Zod arc in it, except it's yeah. like random family members of uh, characters. Astra, I think. Or Aunt Astra, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, also, there's a... They don't have Brainiac, but they have Indigo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they actually in- introduced Livewire, which I thought was huge. That so, was cool, yeah. Yeah, Livewire. The only thing that wasn't cool about it was I I had a bit of a power problem where the two villains that they had versus Supergirl and The Flash. I'm like, how did you get an episode out of this? Oh, you're talking about uh, when Banshee actually bitch slaps Sleeper Girl, even though she only has screaming powers? Yes. Yes. Because Supergirl... You know, I don't want to go into the the world of online power comparisons and versus battles, but the people have cowed Supergirl's feats. Like, she comes off on that show stronger than Clark in the Man of Steel movies, based on some of the things she's done what? on the show. Alright, and we're yeah, gonna... She, oh she does some pretty We're gonna pause it right here for a second? Well, like, she's been to the Fortress of Solitude, and she can just heft that key. I'm actually going to pull it to orbit for a sec while Chris does this thing, because I think I will go make a PBJ. Alright, and we're back. Okay, so Ryan's gonna be cutting out a little bit. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, I'll let, you, I'll let you take point for the next, like, 30 seconds. As I just tell Connor why you should be watching brilliant shows other than Arrow. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so... I don't really watch Arrow, either. Yeah. As I could be watching well, them all. I, I will say this much. Legends of Tomorrow, optional, but if you have the time, it's an okay show. Yeah, it's only 16 episodes, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but it does introduce some of the, uh, some characters that may pop up later on in other series. Uh, kind of like Jonah Hex, for one, which was actually really well right. done. Right. Uh, Quasar is another one. Uh, but uh, Supergirl, yeah, they do White Martians, Green Martians. Uh, we have already seen the Toy Maker, which was okay. oh my god, sure. that was amazing. That was actually Dean Kane is 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 her adopted dad. Yeah, that's true. So she was raised by Superman. Uh, Tom Welling uh, is going to be on the show. Uh, is he? Yeah. He's been who? confirmed for the As season. Who? Uh, we're not As sure who? yet. Okay. They haven't announced Tom that. being the star, the Superman from Smallville. Yep. And we had thought that he was going to be on the show uh, as Superman, but they actually have Superman in their current trailers, and it's a different guy. Yeah. Uh, so... We have all these things that... Make this a good show. Are just like tying Ryan. You have to mute your mic. Completely awesome. Yeah. Sorry, I don't have the little dongle in that does mute. Uh, uh, do you want to just pause for two seconds while I get this damn bread out? Sure. It's a new roll. Sorry. So yeah, we have. Then uh, <laughs> Supergirl, we've had all that already. Plus, we. Oh, what was the name of the? There's one villain. The the thing that's awesome about it is that they don't do. Uh, what Marvel's been doing on their shows and killing off villains. So okay. we can get them later on in other shows. Uh, Marvel's not too bad with it, I don't think. Uh, they've killed off most of their villains uh, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 
They, except for Wilson Fisk, every uh, real villain has pretty much died in the uh, their Netflix series. Well, if we break that down, though, instead of Wilson Fisk, so that's basically... Uh, the Purple Man. Who nobody gave a fuck about until that show. Yeah. Yeah, and, that I don't even watch that show, and that's the most terrifying uh, Marvel show villain that they've done. No, my God. I feel like the fact that they have successfully set up Kingpin as a large overall threat who's six, who's persisted past the first season of Daredevil is a win. Yeah. Because Wilson Fisk, should, Fisk is not the current villain. He should be there somewhere. He's in the background when Later. Yeah, I that, think that that's they've handled just how well. he operates. But uh, so and kind of with Agents of Shield too, like they kill a lot of villains, but they also run a lot of B villains in the first place. That's true. Uh, and they haven't killed off uh, Crusher. Uh, what is uh, what's his name? Creel. Is that what his name is? Uh, yeah, Observer. Yeah. But they killed off Graviton. They killed off uh, a lot of their... A lot of the B&C villains they've killed off. Yeah, but when I think about it, it's it's not anyone I really miss. It's like compared Uh, to Arrow, where they didn't kill off their villains, but it's like Deathstroke, you know? Yeah. Uh, But also, well, back to that verse, the Berlanti universe... Uh, let's go into Flash and why you should be watching Flash. Uh, not just because... Well, Grant- I have seen the first episode or two of Flash. I just... I think something else caught my interest at the time, and so I yeah. fell off the wagon, so to speak. The thing well, the thing about Flash uh, a, bit, is, a little bit of the itis, you, you gotta give it way more than two episodes. Yeah. The, but the th- of season well, no, one. I liked it. I just got caught up in something else while I was uh, giving it a, its first shot. Yeah. Fair. The thing about Flash is Flash is the quintessential comic book TV show. Uh, if that you sounds like a lot of fun, just if on you its yeah, own. if you like comic books, then uh, you'll love the Flash. It just feels like you're watching a comic book come to life. It, it actually it feels like almost like All you're right. watching an animated show in live action. Do you know how in the animated shows the comic book characters do comic book things for comic book reasons, etc. Cetera, et cetera, right? The live-action shows are more assuming... Because the, the animated shows are kind of assuming that, like, 13-year-olds are watching this after they do their homework, so they don't care. The live-action 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock shows are assuming that guys like me and Ted are watching this with our moms, our wives, or, you know. So they tend to mitigate certain comic book aspects. Flash doesn't. Yeah, Flash It's is. like, think of something Barry, Barry can do in the comics. He can do it, or they just haven't gotten to it yet. <laughs> running through yeah. walls? Yeah, at some point it's like, I need to be a faster. Well, have you considered vibrating fast enough to go through the wall? Oh, hey! And then he does it. Like I already mentioned the time travel. He's got a proto version of the infinite mass punch. It's, they, just, they just fucking go for it. Yep. I appreciate uh, this, because that's... It, in, to contrast... Even, the, DC, even Marvel doesn't Marvel go completely started. for it in that way. No, but like yeah. to contrast DC, that's where why Marvel so far has the better cinematic universe is that they've embraced the fact that they are comic book movies. Yeah. 
And so yeah. if Ultron wants to pick up a city and then drop it on the re- and then drop it back <laughs> down, it's like, uh, that's the plot of this movie. Go for it. Yep. Yep. And uh, whereas like DC is still very much like clinging to that sort of Nolan esque thing that gave me problem with with the Batman trilogy, where it's like you're kind of trying to make movies with superhero characters without being superhero movies. I mean, okay. Right. Also, uh, Flash has done things that no other series has done in its first two seasons. It's done things that series, like comic book series, wouldn't even freaking touch in its first two seasons. It's already done time travel, like we said. It's already done multiverses. Couple times. Couple, a few times. Yeah. Like, time travel is just a concept of the Flash show. It's not like this yeah. one episode. <laughs> uh, they've done multiverses. And explain. It did, actually, it, it has a multiverse layer above its multiverse. Yeah, I assume that's going to change now that it's on CW. But it has its own idea of a multiverse, somewhat time to its time travel, and then just legit other dimension right. when he accidentally runs into Supergirl's world, which is otherwise not directly connected to his world. Yeah. Oh my god, that's confusing. But then that's separate from all of last season, where they directly have an Earth Two parallel Earth. Yeah, and he gets to... So it's like, it's a multi-layered multiverse. Yeah. There's a lot of different aspects of this. And as confusing as it sounds from us telling you, it's explained uh, very well in the series to the point where you you just go, okay, I understand that. Uh, and it is internally consistent, yes. Yeah. No, no, it sounds fine. Like uh, I, it's also I'm interesting because it, it, because it's Flash, it can get away with killing it. villains and then reusing them later because time fuckery parallel universes. Oh yeah, their uh, their right, version right. of the Absorbing Man actually died, and then was brought back to life as a zombie in an episode directed mm-hmm. by Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. Well, what about without jumping the into spoilers? But the okay. one, yeah. the one character who um, you know, everyone was like. You know, that character was sort of almost the, or that actor was sort of like the glue to basically everything that made season one great. How are they going to handle season two without him? And then just brilliantly put him right back into the cast. Yep. Uh, nice. So, Ted, I know you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about, yeah. For people who are behind. Like they we, have a number of ways to AKA kind of have their cake and eat it too. And then we have Arrow, which... Uh, you know, started off extremely dark and not very arrowy, and now Ollie's kind of dropping one-liners like he should be every once in a while. Yeah, it is like showing. It, it's kind of showing a progression as Oliver becomes. Yeah, and actually, it sort of makes sense if you consider when we usually catch up with Green Arrow in a comic book, he usually comes off like he's like maybe thirty-eight, forty, right? Yeah, he's like a, a seasoned right. hero. Yeah. Like, so this was like sort of like a, like a 26-year-old broody arrow that seems like he's growing into. Yeah, it's like the the version of Green Arrow that I'm familiar with is the guy from the Justice League cartoon. Right. Yeah. Which is why That's I'm what we so... need. We need, we need Ollie to like sport like some sort of goatee or soul patch or something. <laughs> uh, he actually said like, that... This is, this is the Green Arrow that I know, which is why when they make a Batman show, I'm like, that's yeah. not... The, the Green Arrow. What the, what the because hell? Because Oliver so always has certain parallels that, to Batman, fine, but he's never usually as taciturn as Bruce. No. Also, but if they're having he's out there flipping back, around with the Black you know Canary okay. and cracking jokes and 
running that whole uh, Robin Hood motif into the ground. He he's the Donald Trump of superheroes. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's not let's not do that. I like Oliver Queen. <laughs> no, actually, he's not. He uh, he's actually the least racist superhero. Uh, at least what racist white superhero, I should say. Out of every superhero. He actually took Green Lantern to task in a, in a, a miniseries. Shoot. Um, can you pause, Ted? I can't pause the mic. But... And we're back again. We're having uh, a lot of commercial breaks. Shady's back. Tell a friend. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... Arrow now, has been, a word from our sponsor. Yeah. Arrow has been getting better. It's been getting more like its uh, its comic book counterpart. I can accept it acting but, as an extended uh, character arc. Yeah. It's still that, that sounds all right. It's still very dark, and he still right. lives in the shadows. Where uh, back in the I think it was the early eighties, mid seventies, they actually did an arc in. Uh, Green Arrow, where Green Arrow took Green Lantern on a road trip uh, to see the most impoverished parts of the United States. Because, uh, you know, Green Lantern being basically a beat cop, he had no freaking uh, real view of the world and how people were living. And he kind of put himself above everything. And Green Arrow has always been that one to bring the superheroes down to a more human level. Right. I feel. So. And he has boxing glove arrows. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We weren't going to bring that up. But uh, I'm still waiting for that. I want that one arrow. They're a staple. Like, (laughs) that's part of what bugged me about just the overall darker tone. Yeah has always been, it's like, this is a guy who is boxing glove arrows and you're making him moody or Batman. I didn't even know that was possible. Well, yeah, both He's silly or Hawkeye. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, they've, he's really outdone himself as the character right now. He's getting more like the comic book essence. Even though they have changed a lot of things, and I don't want to spoil things, but there are there have been deaths of certain characters that hopefully will be uh, rectified in this next season that starts next week. Well, thanks to its uh, existing alongside uh, Flash, who seems intent on triggering the Flashpoint. Yeah. Uh, hopefully that will happen. Uh, there's a lot of people who want a certain comic book romance to take place as well. That has not taken have place. Have they still not done that yet? Are they? Still well, they're at odds with the that? fact that they have um, this other. Ca- oh, excuse me. This other character has been like the main on again, off again pairing, and that pairing also has a lot of TV fan support. Yeah. Ah. Uh. And nice. yeah, that's uh, that's been a lot of it. Is that they've taken a character that was once uh, the stepmother of uh, what? What the fuck is his name now? I can't think of his. What's uh Firestorm's 
the original Spider-Storm's real name? Uh, Played by Robbie Amell. But I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't think of his name. I'm blanking, but yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Uh, in the comic books, Felicity Smoke was his stepmother. Because in the comic books, that character, uh, it was, uh, Ray something, Raymond, no, not Raymond. Crap. I can't think of it. Ronnie. Ronnie Raymond. Right, yeah, okay, right. I've not actually watched this show yet. (laughs) No, in the comic books, Mm -hmm. Felicity Smoke, did you watch at least a little bit of the first season? Because Felicity was in the first season. I have caught pieces here and there across the show because my younger brother watches it. Okay. I know who Felicity is. Felicity Smoke in the comic books well, was actually... Felicity is a big pairing yeah. that's currently in a bit of limbo, but has a lot of fan support. Yeah. Okay. But, uh... I mean, the reason to watch Arrow now is because it is... It is the shoelace of the knot that the other shows are tying at the moment. <laughs> oh, yes. I suppose. It is from what everything comes from, pretty much. It is gotcha. uh, the yes. catalyst of change okay. on of the what we know of superhero movies. And I'm not movies, but superhero TV shows. And uh, so... I would watch that not... I would watch that and embrace the story as it is, not watch it as a comic book show. As much as, like, say, Flash or Supergirl. Because there's still, you know, there's a lot of hard humor and heroics, but it still takes place in the perpetually dark... uh, What wrestling fans know as the Triple H plan. Yeah. It's a the pedigree. It's really uh, wrestling fans should actually laugh at that. Come on, uh, if I have to explain that joke to you guys, <laughs> but uh, okay, yeah. Do I have to explain that joke to you, Connor? Yes. Okay. Triple, Triple H is the name of a wrestler. I know. Hunter Hearst Yeah, and his okay. signature move is the pedigree. Ah. Uh, from back in the day when he was Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and he was from Greenwich, Connecticut, and he used to use his move, the pedigree, because he said he was the pedigree of wrestling or whatever. Yeah. And that's your lesson on wrestling this week, kids. That's that's an entirely different podcast. So, we're going to bring up Arrow... And the things that they're changing. And I'm sorry for spoilers, Connor. But we kind of have to do this. Okay. Because it directly affects the next uh, topic. Uh, in Arrow... Okay. But, uh, so in Arrow, they really wanted to introduce a lot of the characters that you'd be seeing later on uh, in the series. And this was back before they decided that Man of Steel was the 
starting point of the DCEU. So we got a very likable Deadshot. He was evil and he was the Q of Arrow for a little bit. Uh, he was like, you loved to hate him. But he had that really bad backstory. Uh, you know, that sad backstory of the kid and everything like that. Well, they announced Suicide Squad. And in a season, one season, they took away Amanda Waller, Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, and Task Force X. been planning to do, like, maybe some sort of Harley thing, and then they yeah. scrapped that? They had to scrap that because... Wow. Yeah. Oh, now man, they're just tripping over themselves, aren't they? Now, now, with that being said, some of the characters that have been announced for this season of Arrow uh, are Cassandra Cain. Now, Ryan, do you want to explain okay. who Cassandra Cain is? Or Connor? Uh... Cassandra Kane. Do you remember when they had a Batgirl who was far more lethal than regular Batgirl? Yeah. Uh, and she wasn't yeah, Batgirl. She was Batwoman. Yeah, that, she was that's Batgirl when she thought. first showed okay. up. Yeah. Isn't so, Batwoman that other lady, Kate something? Uh, Cassandra Kane and Kate, uh, they were lesbian lovers. And they've shared the okay. title of Batgirl, or Batwoman. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Cassandra Cain is more or less DC X-23, minus the whole clone angle. Second character Ah. that they're introducing in Arrow this season? Richard Grayson. His friends call him Dick. Yes. Uh, Starfire asks, how do you get Dick from Richard? And he answered, ask nicely. Because you don't want to laugh, but... (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking about adult Starfire, not Teen Titan Starfire. Let's just... Yes, to be clear. (laughs) Uh, And the third character... To Seth Gecko from From Dustle Dawn. I may be a bastard, but I'm not a fucking bastard. To the final character, and we haven't heard that his alter ego will be coming... But the final character will be Batman. Now, will it be Richard Grayson as Batman? We don't know. Will it be Bruce Wayne as Batman? We don't know. But they're trying this to uh, backdoor uh, backdoor pilot a Bat Family series that would air on Fridays. They've already had the Huntress, actually. Yeah, they have had the Huntress. And forgive the pun, but she's batshit crazy. Mm. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, if this is, if this goes through, cause, if this, uh, you know, things fall apart, people are getting tired of superheroes as of late. But if this falls apart, whatever. But if this goes through, it means that your entire week on CW will include every, like at least five superheroes 
because you'll have Supergirl on Monday, Flash Tuesday, Arrow Wednesday. With Superman actually in the show. Yep. And then Bad Family uh, Friday. But uh, that's just news that maybe will happen, maybe won't happen. We're also getting a Black Lightning TV series on Fox that is on another Earth, not connected to uh, Supergirl or to any other universe, but still in the Berlanti cover. Yes. Oh, one second. I'm not hearing you guys anymore. <laughs> For some reason. Can you guys talk? Hello. There we go. That was weird. Alright, say that again, Connor? Yeah, as long as we're back. Mm-hmm. Connor, repeat that. I said, does anybody else feel like they're doing all this alternate Earth stuff to avoid fucking themselves up, and then they keep managing to fuck themselves up anyway? Well, yes. I don't think that they're managing to fuck themselves up. I think that they're Doing this, uh, I would argue that that whole debacle with Suicide Squad that you just went over oh. uh, counters your point of I don't think they're fucking themselves up because that sounds exactly like fucking themselves up. <laughs> to to be honest, uh, the Floyd Lawton of Arrow was probably a better character. Than Will Smith's Floyd Lawton, though you don't care. Well, Will Smith's Floyd about Lawton was Will Smith as with guns. Yeah, yes. yeah. Will Will Smith is very much an old movie star, where it's Will Smith as this. Yes, that makes a lot. Of yeah, fun. I mean, it's not. It's not. Like, Will Smith that's is not good at that. To watch. Yeah. Well, you know, let's get into Suicide Squad. And I will say, I've not, I have no experience with the previous version of Amanda Waller, but the version that was in the movies was exactly what I wanted from Amanda Waller, so... Actually, you know what, let's get into that one. Uh, Alright, the squad. Yeah, into the squad. Yeah, might as well. Because uh, Amanda Waller was a fucking bitch. Yes. Uh, it was perfect. And here's the uh, the thing with that. I thought that one cleaning house scene was a little intense, but... Yeah, she doesn't do her own bit. dirty work. Never no. does she really right. do her own dirty work. So that whole scene right there was completely out of character. Also, her sending Task Force X to come get her... Another out of character moment. She wouldn't have had Task Force X come to get her out. She would have had her own, even better equipped team to come get her. Or she'd be in a bunker somewhere. In fairness, she had Task Force X paired up with her good team. I feel like. This these fall under. I expect 
faulty writing from DC at this point. And so I feel like these fall under minor uh, script problems that I am willing to overlook if the character themselves manages to capture what I expect. Actually, I think you've hit the nail on the head with the current problem with the DCU, and that is vision. You very much get the feeling, whether this is true or not behind the scenes, but you get the sense from Marvel that they have they have a roadmap out. They have people in charge who kind of like with comic book events themselves will tell you this can happen, this can't happen, these characters can appear here, here, here's where we're going. Whereas with DC, you keep hearing it's like, the reviews weren't great, uh, do some reshoots, uh, there's two cuts of this film. Yep. Yeah, it- like, you, the execs are very hands-on and very skittish over on the DC side of things. And so you feel sort of that, just, just a lack a of bit. polish. Yeah, to go back to Batman vs. Superman a little bit, my biggest problem with that movie is its placement. You've got... It's acting as your Justice League setup movie, and you're bringing in the death of Superman arc, and you're doing it before or you've introduced most of your major Justice League characters. It just feels like... You're right, I have to amend like my analogy. Be, it's not It's not the it Iron Man 2 like of it DC. Should, it's a bastard child of Iron Man 2 and Spider-Man 3. Like, it feels like it should come after they've introduced all their characters and set up a bit of a world, and so then you've got a broader scope. Like, maybe you could have had some Batman cameos here and there just to set this movie up. And so then when you play the movie, everybody's been waiting for it. Everybody knows what's going on and who these people are. And then the death of Superman happens, and that's a big wait because you spent four or five movies hearing about Superman and the impact he has on the world. And that, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head on the problem with the DCU. Uh even rolling back to BBS, I feel like they actually set up kind of a, a weighty problem that they didn't have the balls to actually discuss. They spent the first half of this movie setting up this question of what is the role of the Superman in our world, and the heroes in general, what rights do they have, what rights do we the people have, culminating in the marketing even, in this the Senate hearing, that just, pfft, now we're going to dive into this Death of Superman story arc right from there. I mean, compared to what Marvel put out in the same year, where they actually, the entire movie was made on that premise to some degree. And Miles Javeri, how well you think you they actually did, but at least they did it. Uh, I don't think that they have an endgame in place. And that's the problem. Yeah, they still feel like they're, they're trying to get a ticket to the ball. for an endgame. I, I keep getting this sense that DC is just tripping over themselves largely because they're trying to catch up with Marvel who's like five years ahead of them at this point. I kind of wish they would just go ahead and unashamedly crib for Marvel to get there because they also have that feeling where they're trying to get that Marvel money but also not be Marvel. Yeah. Like it's, it's okay to crack a couple jokes in your films. It's, it's cool. Yeah. All of the DC stuff beforehand. A lot of the the animated stuff, which is really good. Like, if you didn't like yes. Suicide Squad, or if you just mildly like Suicide Squad, go watch Assault on Arkham. 
That's one of the best Suicide Squad stories that they've put in, on film. And, you know, it, they stole a lot from it. I mean, the whole... And hell, I mean, it's not like they don't have experience with this kind of thing. They had their own animated universe interconnected, and it worked well. Yep. Well, that's sort of the weird thing, is their TV, and by extension, the movies that are tied to the TV movies, or not in some cases, but, like, that stuff is is stellar. Like, I would It's consistently almost, I good television from their animated possible. department. I would go so far to say that it's possible that Marvel took their animated universe and used it as a basis for their early cinematic universe. It would Marvel's animated shows have nothing on DC animated shows. Oh my and god, they're horrible compar- it, comparatively. I feel like I feel like yeah, oh yeah, mm. especially the movie. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and start trash talking on X Men and Spider Man. They were okay for their time, but they had nothing on like Batman, Superman, Justice League. This thing, and then Spider-Man, when Marvel started putting I, out I like animated it. movies, like the Iron Man, um, they, I don't remember what it was called, but they they just have oh, a string yeah. of bad animated. Marvel movies. Okay, so yeah. uh, they just and until have. the Netflix shows their their TV shows, you would kind of say don't hold a candle. But I actually think there is a strong argument to which would you prefer. The Netflix shows are consistently they're, they're bringing it yeah. on the Marvel side. There. So here's a, another question. So you know how Joss Whedon was kind of the visionary for Phase Two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, kind of right. had a play, uh, had a hand in phase one as well, uh, starting with Avengers only, but whatever. Who would you right. put in charge of the DC extended universe? Well, apparently, I'd have to politically say not Zack Snyder. <laughs> Even uh, if I don't have, have as much of beef with him as a lot of people do, else. I think at this point we just have to say. He's not winning hearts and minds. Fair enough. Uh, I actually would be kind of... I don't know if he can, if he could bring it at the cinematic level as far as all the things that go into a movie production, but I think they should at least consult with Berlanti. It and, does or maybe seem, Bruce Tim. From what I've heard, like he's got the best resume for this kind of thing for them. The uh, and or Bruce Tim, who who ran the old uh, their their previous animated universe. Yeah, these are people who've interconnected universes and told consistently good stories, and I think that their input would be invaluable, if nothing else. My last little yeah, uh, no, if 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 that was the work of more or less one guy, I'm gonna go with Bruce Tim. My my well, last he has team, but but yeah. So, but. did you guys know first of all that Greg Berlanti wrote a script for Green Lantern, and it was uh, thrown out for the one that they used. Proving that Warner Brothers execs yeah. are one notch above Fox execs. Well, the, one of the reasons, oh my God. one of the reasons that Guys. they didn't take his script was because at one point, the ring before it goes back to Hal Jordan, the ring flies mm-hmm. through and visits Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne before. Choosing how I don't oh. think it chose Hal Jordan. I think it chose Kyle Rayner in his script. 
Well, let's oh be honest. God. Ryan Reynolds played Ryan Reynolds yeah. played Kyle Rayner if Kyle Rayner was living how Jordan's life. That's very true. <laughs> oh my god! Every everything I hear about this movie disappoints me more. <laughs> like, hey right, guys, on that note, I have to step out of the cast. Okay. Uh, All right. Connor, uh, a couple of things before you go, Ryan, that maybe people didn't think about. Uh, Paul Dini, maybe, stepping in to be the visionary. Who He helped create... Okay, that'd be nice. Yeah. But also, uh, Greg Berlanti is working on a Booster Gold movie. In the oh, that'd be interesting, too. Okay. <laughs> so, I, I actually like Booster Gold. I know, I know he's a, he's a polarizing character. I don't have a problem with Booster Gold. So on that I, note... I have a hard time seeing him as the main character of his own movie, but... Oh, yeah. But I guess on that note, we shall end this uh, session, and we'll be back, I think, tomorrow with another one. And uh, instead of Connor... Okay, depending on the time, I can probably uh, duck in for at least the first part of it. Uh, I'm not sure what time it will like, be. Like, when would we be doing this? Not Sometime sure. in the morning? Most likely. Oh. No, not for me. No, not for Brian, apparently. Not for you? Yeah. I have lecture 9 to 12. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see you guys next time on uh, CB to MP. Say goodnight, Ryan. Good night, Ryan.